Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Just Sling It, the all sports podcast where we document the world of outlaw, not center drink sprint car series, uh, college football season, and the NFL as it goes through the season week by week. So, without further ado, let's get it started. First up on tonight's program is the World of Outlaws Non-Standard Drink Sprint Car Series recapping the World Finals at the famed Dirt Track at Charlotte, and boy, it did not disappoint. Uh, on Thursday night, they started with qualifying that uh, set the fields for both, or set heat races, uh, rather, for both Friday and Saturday night, so you really wanted to get out there and show what you got on those two nights, and uh, for Saturday qualifying, Aaron Reitzel goes quick time in qualifying A, along with Logan Schuhart, so they will uh, lead the field in driving heat races on Saturday, on the finale night, and Schuhart again goes quick time for Friday night with Kerry Madsen, this time joining him uh, in that aspect as well. Uh, now moving on to World Finals Night 2, an actual points night, one of those last two points nights that were left. And uh, Donnie Schatz set the tone for Brad Sweet going into the finale night, saying, you aren't going to get this so easily, my friend. Uh, Schatz being the 10th time champion, he's been here a time or two, and he knows how to uh, react to these situations. So Donnie Schatz then cuts Brad Sweet's points lead down to two going into the final night of the second place run. I believe Brad Sweet finished fifth, uh, I believe, and that lost him six points. And there was a dash draw er, earlier in the night that uh, could have set up Brad Sweet perfectly going into the finale night. And relieve some of that stress that was on his uh, shoulders. But uh, the scenario was Brad Sweet needed, <coughs> excuse me, um, he needed to draw, or he could either have drawn a one or a sixth place starting spot in his dry uh, Dirt Vision Fast Pass dash. Um, for Friday night, but instead he draws the six and starts at the tail end of the dash when he could have started at the very front and possibly could have had the pole position starting spot for the feature on Friday. If it weren't for that pole draw in the dash, that, that redraw always seems to get uh, Brad Sweet in these scenarios. He might have had maybe three more wins on the year. If he could have, if he could have taken care of business in that aspect, but it is what it is, and Brad Sweet took it out in the dash and actually gave it a good run. I believe he gained about two positions, shots gaining about three. But uh, anyway, Sweet did make up um, for it in the feature, gaining five spots. Uh, shots charged, I believe, uh, maybe. I think three, three spots, but um, anyway, 
Gravel, David Gravel uh, wins, and Logan Schuhart runs third. Uh, the night's quick qualifier. In uh, the finale night, two points, two drivers, one championship was the motto going into the night. And Brad Sweet takes care of business, finishing ahead of Donnie Schatz in the second position to win the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Series Championship was, of course, a second-place run, finishing higher than Schatz. And, by the way, that was history, not only for Brad Sweet, but for the series. It was a series closest four-point margin of error. I should let that one sink in for a second. About These guys run around close to a 90-race schedule a year, give or take a few, to uh, rain. But uh, about 90 races a year... And it all comes down to four points between two drivers. That is mind-boggling if you think of stats and how some of those guys finish throughout the year. Uh, even like the struggles. Brad Sweet only had one DNF. It was for that U-joint that he broke back in Cedar Lake Speedway in uh, Washington. Or uh, Wisconsin, rather. Um, if it wasn't for that... I'd say this points battle wouldn't be so close, but uh, Sweet got the job done anyway, and that's all that matters for Brad Sweet Nation. Uh, David Gravel swept the weekend as well, and he actually got his 50th career outlaw win on the finale night, and Donnie Schatz, grand third, could not get to Brad Sweet in the end, and that's how it ended. Now... On the college football, recapping uh, Iowa, Iowa State, and Northern Iowa's weekends. It was Statement Saturday, as I like to call it. We always have one of these, a weekend in November, where you have to prove that your football team can go up against some of the greatest. And we had to prove that this weekend, starting with Iowa and Wisconsin. The final score, Iowa 22, Wisconsin 24. Nate Stanley, 17 of 28. 208 yards, two touchdowns. Torn Young, nine carries, 44 yards. And Tyrone Tracy Jr., five receptions, 130 yards, one touchdown. This was not enough for the Hawkeyes as they fell to the Badgers. And a very, the score really didn't show how much Wisconsin really dominated this football game. Iowa really didn't step on the gas offensively. Till about five minutes left in that football game. They really didn't show much strength throughout the game. Maybe a few passes here and there spreading that football around. But it really didn't kick in till about five minutes left in that fourth quarter. So Kirk Ferentz really has to let his boys play football the whole game. And maybe let Stanley chuck that football a little bit further down the field. Because he's got, he's got a cannon of an arm. As you can tell... Uh, but, uh, just really not designing plays that get that job done. So that's something that Iowa needs to work on going forward. If they're going to beat some of these bigger teams, like the Badgers, like the Wolverines, like the Nittany Lions, and maybe even like the Buckeyes. But, uh, anyway, moving on to Iowa State 
in Oklahoma. Final score, Iowa State 41, Oklahoma 42, Brock Purdy 19 of 30, 282 yards, and five touchdowns in that game. Brees Hall, 18 carries, 110 yards, and Tariq Milton, two receptions, 67 yards, one touchdown. Iowa State had to go for a two-point conversion. Likewise for Iowa, uh, Iowa's Nate Stanley, it was, a, it was a design quarterback keeper, and he just got stopped short. Um, he tried the most to muscle each other in, but he could not get the job done. And for Iowa State, it was a different story. I believe there should have been a pass interference call on that play. and Because I believe Parnell Motley, the corner that eventually got that interception, he pushed off quite a bit. and a bit He got there a bit early on, um, I forget uh, who the receiver was that uh, Purdy was throwing to. But it was, it was... Uh, it, it really didn't work out, obviously. Um, and it was, just, it, it was an unfortunate circumstance, to say the least, for the Cyclones. But uh, maybe they'll bounce back this weekend against a pretty solid offensively Texas team that could possibly end up with Oklahoma in the uh, Big 12 championship game down in Arlington, Texas, in Jerry World. Maybe it could be the Cyclones. Who knows? Things got to go their way, though. They still got to play the game first. Uh, Northern Iowa, uh, moving on to them. Northern Iowa giving the win over Indiana State. Northern Iowa 17, Indiana State 9. Will McIlvain, uh, 11 for 20, 167 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Trevor Allen, 12 carries, 62 yards, one touchdown. Isaiah Weston, two receptions, 58 yards. This week, I really liked how Northern Iowa used Trevor Allen to get that run game going. And you saw there, got a touchdown through the on the ground, but none through the air. So I like how they're kind of working out that run game a bit more. Getting that uh, more fluid. Um, Alright, so my predictions for... Next week, I've eliminated uh, my keys to the game. I've just now included predictions. Um, I like doing predictions more, I found out. And so I hope you guys enjoy those a bit better. Uh, first up, Iowa, Minnesota. Iowa 21, Minnesota 24. And actually, Minnesota, I have winning this on a last-second walk-off field goal against the Hawkeyes. Iowa will, will fall Vern. Vern Ugh, vulnerable, excuse me, to Minnesota's strong group of receivers like Tyler Johnson, um, just to name one of them. But they got some, uh, uh, Ottman Bell, they got a lot, uh, Rashad Bateman, they got a lot of good receivers in up there in um, Minneapolis. But um, we'll see. It is a, it is the, uh, challenge for our defense that we've been waiting for all year. Um, so anyway, I will fall vulnerable to Minnesota's strong group of receivers in the fourth quarter, and Minnesota will use this to their advantage to win on a last-second field goal. And I believe that I will, will once again um, not listen to my pleas 
and other um, Pleas of Iowa fans to not step on the gas earlier in the game uh, when you explode out of the locker rooms out of halftime. That's when you're really so, supposed to try to pour it on your opponent and uh, really show the changes that you've made into your game plan. But uh, Iowa just doesn't seem to take account of that, and they don't do it soon enough. So we'll see if they do that this weekend. But I have Iowa losing on a last-second field goal, and Minnesota will stay undefeated and look forward to playing Wisconsin. And I believe... um, I don't know who the rest of their schedule belongs to, but I just know they have one more uh, tough one. Um, Iowa State, Texas. Iowa State 34, Texas 37. An offensive shootout that comes down to the last drive, but I have the Longhorns because of their um, strong offensive firepower that will come against them. Uh, come, uh, come hero for them and overpower the Cyclone defense and... Yeah, just give me Texas by a field goal in this one. Go Longhorns. Beat State. <laughs> Say that as a proud Hawkeye fan. On Now Northern Iowa and South Dakota State. I have Northern Iowa 24, South Dakota State 21. This one was an interesting matchup. If you like FCS football. Um, but Northern Iowa I have prevailing... Um, with their really potent passing attack that they'll need this week. Um, they, they could still run that football, but they can't abandon, they can't abandon it. And they all, they certainly can't abandon that pass because that is their bread and butter. Uh, South Dakota State is probably going to be still heartbroken and banged up over that hard loss at Illinois State. So this is a chance for the Panthers to pounce on the Jackrabbits. Now my Heisman watch. I have Joe Burrow taking the lead in the Heisman watch over Jalen Hurts after overpowering Alabama really that whole game in Bryant-Denny Stadium. I hadn't seen a team obliterate Alabama like that probably since last season in Clemson. And you hadn't really ever seen a team rather than Clemson beat Alabama like that before but anyway Alabama that's a tough loss for them as they fell back to I believe fifth I'll have to check on that in the college football playoff polls I'll go through those here in a moment uh, Jalen Hurts slipping back to number two I believe Oklahoma was on a bye week or no they played Iowa State <laughs> excuse me on that one um I need to be more prepared for these things um, Jonathan Taylor at number three after having a strong performance against the Hawkeyes. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa at number four after that uh, weak, kind of nervous, lackluster performance against the uh, Tigers of LSU. And finally at number five, I have Justin Fields, who's starting to slip back, I believe, in this Heisman race. Uh, the college football playoff top six, um, who I have right now, Elliot, or that was released earlier this week, and I completely agree with these rankings, and I'll tell you why here in a second. LSU at number one, Ohio State at two,
Clemson at three, Georgia at four, Alabama at five, and Oregon at six. The reason I agree with Georgia being above Alabama is because it, Georgia has had a tougher record and schedule so far than Alabama has, and that is the reason I have Georgia over uh, Bama uh, this time. We'll see what happens here. Now, moving to the NFL Week 10 Thursday Night Football last week. I will give you the score of the Steelers-Browns this week, starting Week 11. Hard to believe it's already Week 11 of the NFL closing in on the playoffs and that playoff hunt, that playoff picture starting to take place. But, uh, anyway, last Thursday, Thursday Night Football, Chargers 24, Raiders 26. And starting on Sunday play, Lions 13, Bears 20, Lions playing without Matthew Stafford. Um, Ravens 49, Bengals 13. Ravens coming off another strong overall team performance, and they look like uh, probably the scariest team in the NFL right now. Uh, Bills 16, Browns 19, Chiefs 32, Titans 35. Titans win it on a blocked field goal. To end the game. Falcons 26. Saints 9. A major upset there. That really doesn't help the Saints at all. Uh, Giants 27. Jets 34. Saquon Barkley not getting involved enough in that game. He needs more touches. Uh, Fear the Giants. Give him that football more. Cardinals 27. Buccaneers 30. Another eeker there. Dolphins 16. Colts 12. Second win in a row for the Dolphins. Suddenly they're on a hot streak. Panthers 16, Packers 24, Rams 12, Steelers 17. Really good statement win for the Steelers there. Vikings 28, Cowboys 24 on Thursday night football, or uh, Sunday night football, rather. Dalvin Cook going off in that one. Um, And then on Monday night, The 49ers' undefeated season is now over. Thanks to the Seahawks and my fantasy quarterback, Russell frickin' Wilson, going off um, against the Niners. Uh, In overtime, Seahawks win by three. And my team of the week is the Atlanta Falcons for that strong win over the New Orleans Saints. In the uh, Saints Stadium, probably the biggest stadium in the NFL, probably one of the best fan bases is the New Orleans Saints, and uh, just a tough loss for the Saints to take, and an even better win for the Falcons. Alright, that is it for this week of Just Sling It. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. I love bringing you these podcasts week after week, and I hope that I will forever get the chance to keep bringing them to you. For me, Brendan Schneblin, I am saying goodbye. Till next week, this is Just Sling It.